You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be uh, with you this morning on uh, this beautiful Sunday. And uh, we're all looking forward next week to Christmas Day. Uh, so it's great for me to be here to um, bring us a Christmas message uh, this morning to uh, remember the joy that we have as we look forward to uh, know more about Jesus uh, during this Christmas time. You know, God himself coming down here to earth to be with us. I remember, I remember my very first Christmas after I uh, became a Christian. Of course, I'd always look forward to Christmas. Christmas was always a fantastic, wonderful time. It meant family. It meant food and fun and uh, getting gifts as well. But, you know, after I came to know Jesus personally, it meant so much more to me. You know, the wonder of having God with us to be able to actually know God for myself. You see, Jesus became part of my Christmas. To know that God himself came down to earth to be with us. To be born as a baby, just like you and me. To grow into adulthood, just like, just like us. Uh, to eat and to drink and to know pain and to know heartache, to be loved and to love others, that God would dare to come and experience all that we as human beings experience as well. It is an incredible wonder, isn't it? You know, the only way that we could ever know God is for him to come down to us. To come down to our level. There's no way that we could reach up to God ourselves. So God came down so that we could know him, experience him for ourselves. And that's just such an incredible story, isn't it? It reminds me of um, a, uh, the words of a song by Joan Osborne. And it's uh, called, What If God Was One of Us? then that would just change absolutely everything. And it has as well. You know, the story of Christmas, often we think with uh, the kids, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, getting gifts and receiving gifts. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about uh, receiving gifts. You know, how do we take that gift that we get? I mean, just imagine... Yeah, you can get all kinds of gifts at Christmas, of course. Imagine if you opened one of your presents, you know, you're there in front of the tree on a Christmas morning and you grab the first gift there. It Actually, it's from a friend of yours. It happens to be a book. And it's a book about dieting. And uh, that would make you think, wouldn't it? And then, you know, you grab another gift for you and actually it's another book from a, another friend of yours. And it's called How to Overcome Selfishness. <laughs> now that says a little bit to you, doesn't it? And you know, you say, thank you so much for these wonderful gifts. It's a bit like a green with them, isn't it? 
hey, I am fat and I am a selfish. In other words, these gifts might be a little bit hard to receive. They may very well be true, of course. Because then you've got to admit, you know, I've got a problem. I've got a weakness in my life and that I need help with that. To receive the gift, you'd have to maybe swallow a bit of your pride, wouldn't you? And that's very much like the gift that's been offered to us at Christmas time. The gift of Jesus this Christmas. It means, it tells us that we are a lost people. (coughs) That we are unable to save ourselves. That nothing less than the death of the very Son of God could possibly save us. That is the Christmas gift. That's the way that we should receive it, isn't it? With with great and wonderful humility. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning giving you thanks, Lord, for your wonderful word. It's a word from God himself. And that means it's so incredibly important. Help us, Lord, to not only hear your word, to understand it and to put it into practice in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if we turn to our passage from today, it's the first two chapters here of the Gospel of Matthew. And it starts, actually, the, the chapter one that starts off with the genealogy of Jesus. And it's all about you know his family history. And then it goes on to tell us about the birth of Jesus, of course, with Mary and uh, Joseph. And then, of course, it tells us about that incredible, incredible virgin conception. No man involved in the birth of Jesus. And then in Matthew 1, chapter, uh, verse 20, it tells us, For that which is conceived in her, in Mary, is from the Holy Spirit. You know, for God to come in the world, only God can do that. It's not something that we as human beings can be involved in. But what you notice here is that, you know, people knew this was going to happen. This is not actually something that was unexpected. It was uh, written about a long time before uh, that the Messiah, the very Saviour, would be born on earth. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, A virgin shall bear a child. And in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Now, God told us ahead of time what was going to happen, uh, which is something that only God can do, isn't it? Only God can tell the future. So here we have these events actually happening in chapter 2 here. So in chapter 2 it moves on. You know, this is actually some period of time after Jesus was already born uh, that chapter 2 takes place. It's uh, some time later. We don't know exactly when, but we know it would be less than two years. Uh, verse 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem 
then, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, these wise men, they just seem to, you know, just thunder into Jerusalem unexpectedly, like a bolt of lightning. No one was expecting it. You know, they walk in into this place. They stand out like anything. No one was expecting this. Not King Herod, not the priests, and not the people of Jerusalem either. They don't know what to make of these guys. What on earth are these people, these strange people from the east, what on earth are they doing here in Jerusalem and looking for the king of the Jews, mind you, as verse 2 tells us? I mean, that's our job. You know, we're the priests, we're the scribes of Israel. You know, it's our job to be looking for the king of the Jews, not, not these strangers. But the priests and the scribes, they know the deal. You know, they've studied the scripture. They understand exactly what it says. It tells us there in verses 5 and 6. They know the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So off they go to Bethlehem. Who goes? Well, not the priests. Not the scribes. Not the people of Jerusalem. They don't go. It's just these wise men. The wise men for East, they're the ones who go to Bethlehem. But the Jews don't. Everybody else just stays where they are in Jerusalem. Not interested enough even to go the 10 kilometres it takes to get to Bethlehem to look out for this promised Messiah. So here we have these different responses to the Jesus of Christmas. The same Jesus, but a different response from these different people. King Herod, we know what he was like. He hated God. The priests, the scribes, you know, the people of Jerusalem, it seems that they couldn't care less. And then we have the complete opposite, the wise men. I mean, it's these non-Jewish people who came. They wanted to worship Jesus. So let's look a little bit more closely at these three very different responses to the coming of Jesus at Christmas. First of all, we've got King Herod. Uh, he's got a real denial response, doesn't he? His response to the birth of Jesus is totally consistent with the way this guy lived his life he's done anything he's done everything to keep power for himself that was all he was interested in to keep his position as the king he killed his own wife he'd killed his own children he'd killed other relatives just to make sure that he stayed in power king herod only cared about himself and that's all even now at this time, he would have been about 70 years of age. He wasn't in great health. In fact, he died probably about a couple of years later on from this. But he's willing to kill a child. Actually, he, was, he killed many children, didn't he? Just to make sure that he kept his power. Tells us that in verse 16. Total opposite of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, it tells us, 
Jesus emptied himself and became a servant for us when he came down and was born on earth. And later he gave his own life on the cross to save us. Herod, on the other hand, only interested in saving himself, only interested in looking after himself. He cared about no one else but him. I think, well, you know, I'm not like King Herod. I'm a pretty good guy, really. You know, I mean, I wouldn't kill anyone. That's for sure. Yeah, but how self-centred am I really? How much do I put myself out for other people? Yeah, pretty much I just like my own comfort, don't I? A nice comfortable, easy life. You know, this made me think a little bit about um, a couple of years back, we, we, had, uh, we did cross-cultural assist during the uh, lockdown over COVID and it was uh, a food relief program that we ran in uh, 2020. It was over about an eight-month period. Uh, there was a mighty effort by a whole lot of mostly young people. You know, they, every Sunday uh, they provided food to people in great need. Uh, they met on Sundays and worked really hard, but there was lots of organisation before Sunday. They had to organise the food, they had to organise the people. Uh, it was an incredible effort. A lot of time and energy went into preparing for it even before Sunday. And unfortunately, not everybody treated them really well at all. One of the leaders, uh, I remember him uh, telling me, you know, every time I go, I get abused by people every week. But, you know, we just want to serve them. They need help. I mean, God loves me so much. I just want to serve these people. Now, that's very much the attitude of Jesus here, isn't it? You know, so very different from that of King Herod. Now, secondly, we've got the response here from the priests and, and the, uh, the ordinary folk who lived in Jerusalem. Or maybe we could say their very much their lack of response, actually. You know, they would seem to be totally indifferent to what was going on here. You know, we go from King Herod, who hates Jesus, the people of Jerusalem, they couldn't care less. And you wonder, actually, which one is worse? King Herod, who hates God and lets everybody know that, they know exactly where he's coming from. All the people of Jerusalem who, who say that they love God, they say that. But when it really comes down to it, when it really matters, they don't really care at all. Their life, in a sense, is a real lie, isn't it? You know, just think about what had happened in Jerusalem that, that past year. That, that all the people, well, they, they would have been aware of this. I mean, you had Zechariah, the priest, he'd had this vision from an angel in the temple and then his wife Elizabeth, who'd never been able to have children, miraculously in her old age becomes pregnant. What a miracle. And then, then you've got the incredible events surrounding the birth of John the Baptist just three months earlier. Now Jesus is born. 
You know, all the shepherds were told about this and they come and told all the people all that they'd experienced from the angel. And now these strange wise men come to Jerusalem from the east. Talk about you know, leading a horse to water. This is the long-awaited answer to a great prophecy that God had promised his people, yet no one's interested even to walk 10 kilometres to Bethlehem to try and find this long-awaited Messiah, to see him for themselves. Wouldn't you want to see him for yourself? Verses 8 and 9 tells us, Only the wise men go. Only the wise men go. Why? Why didn't they go? I mean, you would have gone, wouldn't you? I mean, I would have. Or would I? You know, we're, we're so busy, aren't we, in our lives? You know, doing all this great religious stuff. We, we read the Bible, we, we pray, and we, we come to church, and we, uh, some of us, we have our, our life groups, our Bible study groups, and we serve here at the church. You know, we're, we're doing all these really good things, but... Do I actually have a relationship with God? Now, you can be religious, but you can be blind to God in your life. I mean, that's what the people of Jerusalem showed us. You can study the Bible, but never actually put it into practice. You can talk to God, but never listen to him. Then one day, God just comes knocking on your door and you don't even hear him. One day God walks right past you and you don't even see him because you don't have a relationship with God. Just knowledge, that's all. And that's what these people had. Knowledge but no relationship. Now, um, we've been living at our place for uh, about 30 years, uh, quite a long period of time. There's people there have been living there longer than us as well. And uh, uh, during the lockdown, all of us neighbours, we all you know, got together to help and support one another. You know, there's a lot of great neighbours in our area. But a while ago, there was a single mum who uh, moved into our area. She had a couple of kids as well, really young kids actually. And um, after a while, the house looked like an absolute mess. Her partner had left her for somebody else and she got uh, quite depressed, which is understandable. And the other neighbours were talking about uh, reporting her to DHS, you know, to child services. Um, not for inappropriate reasons either, I suppose. But uh, my wife, Gail, here... She decided to go over and talk with her or, uh, should I say, uh, do a lot of listening because she was a great talk herself. And Gail just, just helped her. You know, she did her garden so that the kids could play outside. Uh, the grass was, I don't know, about four foot high or so. And Gail put herself out to help this person this neighbour in need. And of course, I came over and helped as well, mowed the lawn we did, we weeded, chopped down trees. And um, when some people saw this stranger, this single mum, 
with an overgrown garden and with kids who were yelling in the middle of the night, they saw a big problem. But when Gail saw her, she saw a neighbour in need. You know, we all saw the same thing. You know, we all want to be neighbourly to the people around us. Some people saw a neighbour and some people didn't. And this Christmas, you know, as, as God comes knocking on our door, as God comes knocking on the door of your life, as we remember the birth of Jesus, God coming into our world, God coming into our life, let's not be blind. Let's not miss the God of Christmas. Let's make sure that not only do we hear him, but we open the door. And we have a relationship with him. Now, finally, thirdly, uh, we've got the response of the wise men who came from the east. Now, you don't, we don't actually know a whole lot about these wise men. Uh, there's a lot of stuff written in you know, Christmas carols and children's stories. But most of that is actually fiction. Yet these wise men, there weren't three of them. We don't know exactly how many there were. They were willing to pay a really big price, weren't they? Now, maybe they were astrologers, so God used a star to, to direct them. Um, people think they probably came from Babylon because the people of Israel had been exiled to Babylon and so they would have uh, read the Jewish scriptures and had some knowledge about that. Uh, they must have been looking and searching for God, these wise men. And then God gave them a star. And they understood what that meant. And so they, they packed their bags and they put their lives on hold and they took a whole bunch of expensive gifts as well. And they set off on a very long journey. Not knowing how long it's going to take. Not knowing where it's going to take them to. Now that is faith, isn't it? That's trust in God. And that's how we should respond to God as well. I mean, these guys were willing to go a million miles to find Jesus. The one born king of the Jews. And how do they respond when they actually find Jesus finally? They fell down and they worshipped him. As it tells us in verse 11. When we see God, all we can do is fall down on our knees and worship him. You know, this Christmas, you know, each, one of us, each one of us has to decide how we are going to respond to Jesus. And it's important because, because it's got eternal consequences, hasn't it? Jesus came, Jesus was born here on earth for a purpose, for a reason, to live a life like you and me as a human being, just like us. You know, he felt all the pain and all the struggles that we find, all the temptations that we also have. Yet he lived a perfect life without sin, without doing anything wrong, very much unlike me. 
And then he chooses to die on the cross to pay for our wrongs, for my wrongs. So that we can put our faith and trust in him. So that we can have a personal relationship with God ourselves. Now that is incredibly great news, isn't it? A God worth worshipping, that's for sure. You know, some people, they love Jesus. Some people hate him. And some people just couldn't care less about him this Christmas. So let's take our cue from these wise men who seek Jesus out. Let us do that this Christmas as well, to seek out Jesus. And when we find him, Let's worship him as our God and our saviour. Well, let's worship him right now. Let's come together and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you at this moment. We want to give you thanks uh, for Christmas, a time when we remember um, you coming down to earth to reach down to us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you mean to us, for all that you are willing to do, Jesus. Thank you that you were born uh, just like us, that you experienced all the struggles and the temptations that we do as well, and yet you overcame them. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much by doing that. Thank you that we can put our trust and faith in you. And thank you that we can respond to how much you love us. Our love seems feeble in comparison. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. We ask that you would help us this Christmas to really renew and to refresh our knowledge, our relationship with you, Jesus. And may you be the spark and the life and the wonder in our lives. To know God for ourselves is such an incredible thing. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to earth. Thank you for loving us that much. And thank you that you died for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.